0: What's on display today? You who see with eyes that read, know you this. The treasure of knowledge lies hidden in this valley, awaiting the worthy seeker, the one foretold. So read the ancient tablet found in the Valley of the Unknown. These words launched explorers of all ages into a wonderful journey full of trials, tribulations, and victories for 17 years. Join me today as I meet with two of Kosai's staff and discuss the beginnings and endings of this beloved attraction. Because today, we're going to adventure in the Valley of the Unknown at COSI in Columbus, Ohio. Welcome to On Display Podcast, the podcast in which we explore the design, construction, and operation of exhibits and attractions at museums, theme parks, zoos, and beyond, and celebrate what makes them special to the visitor experience. I am your host, Nicole. I look forward to having you along with me on this special behind-the-behind-the-scenes journey. Today is March 10th, 2017. Before we begin exploring adventure, I'd like to say a few quick announcements. Join us on March 24th to experience our next feature, the rainforest at the Cleveland Metropark Zoo. We'll look at the visitor experience and what makes this popular exhibit special and how it inspires us to care about rainforests. Keep up with us through our social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and we can also be reached through our email at ondisplaypodcast at gmail.com.
1: I'm here to let you know a little bit about this interview. It was recorded live at COSI near the adventure exhibit itself. Unfortunately, at this time, construction was taking place on COSI's parking lots. As such, you will hear some machinery in use, and I advise you to watch out for falling hammers towards the middle of the interview. Thank you very much for your understanding, and we hope you enjoy your peek behind the curtain.
0: Welcome everybody. I am here on location at COSI and I have the privilege to speak with Eric and Jen who both work here at COSI with the Adventure Exhibit. Would you guys like to say a little bit more about yourselves? Introduce
2: yourselves?
1: Sure. Um, I'm Eric Burdock. I'm the Director of Experience Design here at COSI and I've been here for a little over 20 years.
2: I'm Jen Barlap. I am the Director of Floor Experiences. I started out as a Spectrum player, which was the acting troupe that ran Adventure, and I have been with CoSci for 14 years.
0: So you guys have been here through most of Adventure's life. Most, not
2: not all for me, but
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a a larger team that helped create um, Adventure um, that was started back really started thinking about it back in 1997. Um, there was a group, of probably about 10 uh, individuals, that made up the uh, studio. COSI studio Um, and I'm one of the kind of few members of that team that is still here in the building.
0: Looking at COSI, it's a science center. It's a family science center and most of its exhibits are what you would think of at a science center where it's very hands-on, very scientifically broken down. Adventure is incredibly different. What inspired COSI to design and build Adventure the way it did?
1: Well, there there was a couple things that really came up. A lot of the other exhibitions were more kind of knowledge-based about topics. In this case, we wanted to focus more on the process of just gathering information, solving puzzles, putting it together. Um, And what was kind of interesting, one of the things that almost um, was in competition with adventure, a lot of people don't know, was that adventure could have been about movies. A, a, a totally different topic, and, and you know, kind of went back and forth, and we decided that the you know the process of, of um, scientific scientific investigation was more important than just kind of capitalizing on movies, and also trying to uh, get the rights to movies just seemed like a huge hassle, and that we kind of could control our own destiny with picking a venture and working on process.
0: What inspired the? theme of adventure, the culture of adventure. You guys chose like a early 20th century Indiana Jones kind of feel. What, what prompted you to do that?
1: Well, I think when you start looking at the process of investigation and what might get people excited instantly, I think there already comes with some knowledge base. If you're kind of an explorer like Indiana Jones, you're looking for clues and trying to put them together. So that kind of Indiana Jones archetype was a great springboard to help get our guests in that kind of mood for investigation and exploring and trying to solve puzzles.
0: Speaking of the puzzles, what sort of challenges did you want to focus on? Were you looking for more experiments? Were you looking for more puzzles? Were you looking for more physical challenges?
1: It was really trying to find that right balance of everything and also what would translate into a physical exhibit. So we tried to look at you know all the different types of puzzles out there and Um, just try to to find that right balance of all the kind of different combination of physical puzzles, um, which is somewhat challenging. Like, for example, we have the Eyes of Scorn, which uh, you have to navigate a maze of lasers. And one of the things that was challenging is think about someone if someone's in a wheelchair. So there's a lot of things where we have to think about, we want to make it physically challenging, still make it challenging, but allowing someone in a wheelchair to kind of navigate that path as well.
0: Um, How did you choose the puzzles you did?
1: Well, that's one of the things that I didn't really focus on as much. My primary role was more the kind of physical um, puzzles like the Gates of Doom or the Eyes of Scorn. And so some of the puzzle parts were um, developed by another colleague, Brian Chico. And the producer Alan Berger. So some of that development was happening while I'm trying to figure out how to make doors open and close, how to get buttons bronze to be a capacitance switch. So um, maybe Jen could speak a little bit more to that.
2: Well, and again, that existed some before before I came in. But I know that a lot of the puzzles that they chose is based in some sort of code breaking. Or once you once you know enough that you can break them down, there's a basis there that they worked from. That's that's sort of known in the world of codes so you kind of said you were involved with the
0: project from the beginning what went into designing and building like when you put adventure we're kind of upstairs from adventure for those of us who aren't here um when you put adventure downstairs what were the challenges that you faced in building this complex into the side of a building downtown
1: <laughs> uh, it, it's it's it is very complicated because as well as the team that was Kind of part of the COSI studio this building was physically being created as well so in some cases we needed to look at what's being developed from the project needs and the exhibition needs and try to intervene when the construction was happening for example the pit or the observatory there was actually we needed to go below what the original plans were for that floor a lot of times you'll hear a lot of, uh, during the time of the construction different levels and you'll hear the term 720. 720 refers to the level of the elevation of the building above sea level. So the level one is 720 feet above sea level and for that observatory to kind of work and to make it as tall as it, it appears, we needed to actually kind of go into that 720 level so it goes down about six feet so the floor there is at like 714 that alone just trying to work with the construction company and the architects to make those changes to put a pit in in the middle of the construction was challenging not to mention trying to look at structural engineers getting the steel work that's necessary to support all the concrete in that space uh, we were working with a design firm out in California, um, JKI, and you know they're feeding information back uh, to us. We're sharing it with the contractors here, the construction companies, the engineers here, uh, and, and then some of the other puzzles that are being developed are kind of informing what changes need to be made. So there was a lot of players that needed to kind of be coordinated and that's where our project manager, Alan Berger, did a really good job at trying to kind of make all this kind of happen. There were some hiccups, but for the most part, well, you, you see the results, it all kind of worked out in the end.
2: And I know that there were some changes that happened even after it was in operations. I mean, I know there was a water feature when it first opened. That was gone before I started. but.
1: Yeah, that's one thing we we know about water. Water always seems to find a way to mess things up. And in this case, there was a um, we did have a waterfall, and the original concept was to have a gold panning yeah. exhibit inside of a venture. And the the leaks just started to go into the pit, and then the pit started to get wet, and and it just didn't smell very good. So it was a lot it was a lot easier just to. Um, basically pull the water feature out and just make the kind of make sure the dig area was dry um, and safer I guess
0: so we're gonna change gears a little bit I I guess what I was what we're discussing before I think of like the physical part I guess we're gonna talk more about the cultural part now Mm -hmm. as I think of it like the puzzles themselves there are a couple questions I do have to ask because there are some rumors flying around the internet who voiced the spirits in the exhibit because someone online said Frank Oz was involved and we're pretty sure that's not the case
1: you know I really don't know um, the talent agency that was hired to pick the voice talent for the different voices inside there um, and, and it so, wasn't
2: local though I don't think
1: uh, no I, I believe once again this might have been something we coordinated with a company out in California yeah. probably a recommendation based off of other people we were working with out there so I can't confirm or deny.
0: I <laughs> and um, I was asked by someone to ask this question, by the time this airs the exhibit will have already been closed, because now I don't feel bad bringing this up, <laughs> but in the second part when you solve Lala's puzzles and she gives you the code word, she says ba weep gra ba weep mini ba. Mm-hmm. I've been told that might be from pop culture, but I was wondering if you could confirm that as
2: well. (laughs) I can't. No, I can't confirm. Um, Again, uh, so many of the the, the inspirational elements of it are in Alan Berger's brain, right? Or in in Chico's brain. So um, they weren't completely necessary to operations, so some of that is... It lives with them. <laughs>
0: oh, I'm up. I'm to shoot them. Anymore. Right.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when you started work, well, when you finished and when you started working here, did mm-hmm. you take a tour through Adventure? Did you try solving the puzzles mm-hmm. as a guest would? What were your experiences versus being? Well, as yours, especially being a designer, then being a participant, and yours being a participant, never having been there Worked from the there. beginning. Mm-hmm. Did well, you try to solve it?
1: Well, in, in some ways, I, I, I kind of knew you the You knew secrets. too much, yeah. So in some ways, the the best experience I had with adventure was watching guests come through for the first time, mm-hmm. and the minute they entered the kind of the pre-show and then exit into the space, and just the, the look in their eyes, and them just saying, wow, this is so cool. And the adventure didn't even start yet. They just got through the pre-show. So that's when I kind of knew there was something special about the space.
2: So we, we, up until, you know, the last person that we trained, we always give them time to go through it as a guest. So they experience sort of the outpost and that first level of puzzle. And I, I can remember feeling that like the space was gigantic and kind of feeling lost in it. It felt like there was so much going on. Once you're really comfortable with it, you realize it's not, it's not as gigantic as maybe it initially feels. Um, we also give people time to work on the the harder, the second level puzzles, if, if they really want to. And we'll even hold off giving secrets or training as long as we possibly can. Um, I will admit that I gave up in the maze and called it <laughs> went through the manual. Um, there was not going to be enough time for me to uh, figure it out for myself. Um, but we do have a lot of team that have sort of committed to solving it themselves and going through it themselves so anyone um that wants to do that is partnered maybe with someone who already knows a little bit more and, and we always have cheat sheets around so that we can go and refer. And be, people, you know, people will come up with such um, incredible theories about what they're supposed to do, especially in the cavern. Those puzzles are, you know, unique and a little and uh, different than what they've experienced to date so they can go really crazy with their theories of how to solve them. Um, and oftentimes I have to, like, go get the notes. That's the monster elevator the big freight elevator sorry yeah we'll let him come down (laughs) because it's gonna keep making noise
0: so it's ambience (laughs) yeah right welcome
2: to city view this is the space where you can see the city and listen to the freight elevator (laughs) So, there are people who come up with a lot of theories on, on what the cavern puzzles mean, and I'm certainly one who has to go running back for the cheat sheets in order to help guide them without giving everything away. Um, so, But yeah, it's, it's an interesting exhibit area and we want our team to you know, experience it as fully as possible too.
0: When you bring in team members to work the exhibit, everybody has their own persona and their own costumes. How involved are the team members in coming up with their characters?
2: Totally. So, it was an acting troupe that first formed the, the group of people who were um, staffing the exhibit, and they would go through a character development process, um, just like you would even for a scripted play, where you might you know create your own backstory and um, There's obviously parameters given by the time period and the cult you know the culture. You're obviously there to explore some in some way shape or form though we did have a cook for a long time she was crazy (laughs) um cook Um, but they come in they experience it as a guest and then they're given um a development guide that they use to to talk about who they are and why they're there and um they um, decide where they came from and obviously how comfortable they are with an accent might you know tell them where they're going to come from. Um, And they go on from there. We have costumes that are available to people, but most want to go and get their own stuff, make it unique to themselves and their character. And they're given... You know, full rain, go crazy, and then sometimes we have to rain them back in. But, but they—that's a hundred percent them.
0: It sounds awesome. Yeah. And having been to the exhibit a few times myself, I am pleasantly surprised at the diversity. Mm-hmm. Like, not everybody is some British lord, right? <laughs> right, right. A Cockney accent, right? Um, I think at one time I
2: worked there was like a German biologist and mm-hmm. like a Ukrainian electrician mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, there's unique storylines that they come up with, and it's it's interesting being a uh, someone who works at Cosite, there's always an element of entertainment and show that comes into working there. So we've always valued having a science background, but we hired actors. So we would go out and we would go to professional auditions and we would seek out, you know, professional actors. So moving away from that and um, having a team that was far more diversified and working throughout the building was a little, it was a little scary. But I almost think this group is a group of people who have a really great time with like role playing games and activities like that. So they're all in and they do a really great job of you know developing their character and investing a lot of time in the backstory and the costume and the accent, all of the stuff that they need.
0: It definitely shows yeah. and it adds so much yes, to I the agree. exhibit. Back in I wanna say it was two thousand four, Kosai closed for a short time and then reopened. Uh, Adventure it's reopened in 2010. Was there anything that changed behind the scenes during that time or is it pretty much the way It was the day it first
2: opened.
1: I think physically in this space Mm -hmm. It was identical. I I don't know if there's any scripting or narrative changes in that time frame
2: I think one of the choices that we made when we reopened was to be a lot more obvious about the fact that the puzzles continued so When we first opened the space, the deeper exploration was almost like an Easter egg. Like if you stumbled upon it, cool. We did not give any hints. We knew nothing about it. after when we were looking at reopening the space, we knew that there was a great opportunity for people to come back and enjoy it on a, on a deeper level. So we, we decided to include it in the map, that's when the information was there, and, and to actually start stopping people when they came out of the observatory and pointing out where they could start decoding the language if they wanted to, um, helping them work through that. Why did they give you, you know, what they gave you inside the observatory? What can you do with that information? Um, that was probably the biggest change we also we did a lot of evaluation when we went to reopen it um, about how much the the facilitators in there should do and um, one of the things that I don't know that it was surprising but it was a good reality check for us was how much guests really liked the struggle of solving the puzzles themselves and it was okay if they spent longer than we would think they wanted to you know what Mm -hmm. I mean so um, while maybe that's when the shift on more of the character, more of the backstory stuff, almost even started for some of the facilitators was putting more emphasis on themselves and less on the area, yeah. and and then letting guests come to you if they needed help or if you know um, they needed more information. But other than that, other than those you know couple of kind of basic things, it was pretty much reopened as is as as was. <laughs> as was. Huh? So. There's
0: also been some rumors going around, especially on the Adventure Facebook fan page. Were there ever... So currently there's the first level, which takes about half hour, 45 minutes, and that's when everybody starts on. And then, as you were saying, there's the second part where it takes quite
2: a bit longer. Mm -hmm. I know. Right.
0: The average was said to be like twenty hours. I know my friends and I have put in way more than twenty well, hours. Well, and you'll have
2: you'll have some like crazy puzzle solvelers who will come in and do it in like two hours and you're like, How is that even possible? No but way. most <laughs> most people are in there for ten to twenty, we say. Yeah. Were there ever going to
0: be challenges beyond the second part?
1: I think there was always speculation that, you know, if adventure continued to be open, that how do we keep it fresh? Yeah. So that was always talked about what would be the next step. Um, and unfortunately, we just will never know.
2: Yeah, we never got to the point where there was any development in that area. So we, we probably had the same conversations and speculations <laughs> that other people have had. Like, what would we do? What could we do? Um, but that was about it. So January 1st
0: adventure takes its final bow what's going to happen to the exhibit is it just going to be packed up is it going to be scrapped sold
1: um in some ways all the above unfortunately there's no way just to pack it up Uh, most of the physical structure in the space is rebar covered with concrete Um, the only way to get get it out is with sledgehammers jackhammers and pull it out we have contacted some of the companies that uh, worked on it, that helped us with animatronics, seeing you know, if this is something that's useful to them um, and to see if we can work out some type of deal with them so it just doesn't go to waste. You know, there are gonna be some you know, artifacts that will go to some of the team that's either worked on it or worked in this space just because you know, it's kind of part of them as well. So we're trying to be smart about it, there is going to be a small amount of, uh, of the components and artifacts, if you will, that will go into our History of COSI exhibit. Uh, for example, we have a—it's in some ways—adventure is like our new coal mine. Um, back in our old building, we had an experience called the coal mine, and people still talk about it. Well, I guess people were there 20 years ago um, to talk about it, and it was a beloved experience, just like adventure. So we are going to try to take a couple of those components and have them showcase in that area. So we'll have some of those pieces. So hopefully people can come back and have good memories about it and and not cry. <laughs> we are.
2: I mean, we are also working really hard to document everything. I know I've even been contacted from friends who have gone through it or past employees that you know should I bring my camera in? Should I? We we're working really hard to make sure that we ha- we have records mm-hmm. of everything. Um, all the puzzles all the language all the decor all of that so and we'll also have sort of the catalogs of the characters that were in there just to have the the fun stories that people came up with and the, so those aren't lost. Yeah,
1: and I think another thing that you know, we're trying to do for some of the smaller components it's good just to have that from an archive purpose um, if we ever decided you know look at you know, way the maze walls were created, or some of the components like for the Simon and how that was created. A lot of that, um, I guess, the technology and in some ways, we're going to try to um, keep that and archive that um, for future purposes. Not to say it eventually would ever open again, but just it's nice to have those samples for for down the road.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a shame, as far as I can tell, just doing the research I have adventure is unique there's nothing else like that in the states at least i don't know if there is and probably in asia if anywhere because they're on top of that stuff but
2: there is one thing people are big fans after it closes they can go um i think it's still open the tomb in boston yeah that's i haven't been yet it's on my list but it sounds somewhat similar a little Mm -hmm. bit different but somewhat similar but i think i think adventure is beloved because especially in the science center world it is a unique experience it's you know, it's unusual to have such a, an immersive environment, but then an immersive environment that's themed towards process rather than content that, you know, at, you have places maybe that are showcasing things that create an environment around the things that they're showcasing, but this is creating environment for you to then act and do. So it is unique in that way. Mm-hmm. But it's also, you know, it's been here a long time and I think we're excited for what comes next.
0: So, we're getting to the end of the interview. Are there any insights or memories you would like to share about your time with Adventure? Things you'd like our listeners to know, take away?
1: Well, I I guess in some ways. I think it's going to be, I think, sad for a lot of people to see this great experience go. And I I think it goes for the guests that uh, have been here, for the team that has been part of it. But like Jen says, we, we are excited about the new things to come. Working on Adventure, it was so special to work on that exhibit with so many talented people and creative people. That um, that I think that's the one thing I'll walk away with.
2: I think for me it's sort of a similar thing. You know, I I trained and worked as an actor for a long time and. Largely, you're transient when you're an actor. You do a project with a certain group, and then you, you leave. You're done. Your contract's up. So I did make some really great friends working with that group of people. And I think the guests are the same way. We meet guests over and over again through membership. But, you know, you've come a lot. You've spent hours in there. You've probably gotten to know the actors or the, the, the facilitators. We know the guests, too. All
0: right. Well, thank you very much. I'm very glad you guys took time out of your busy day to spend some time reminiscing and taking us behind the scenes. Well, thank you. Thank you. I would like to extend a sincere thank you to Eric, Jen, and Jacqueline at Kosai for meeting with me and for sharing their memories and experiences about adventure. It meant so much to me to delve a little deeper into what must be one of my most favorite exhibits. Adventure may be gone, but Kosai still has a lot to offer, and there is the new exhibit to look forward to coming this fall. Check out cosi.org to see what's going on and to plan your next trip. That is c-o-s-i dot Join me again on March 24th as we go adventuring around the world yet again. Without leaving Cleveland, we're going to explore the popular rainforest building at the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo. Don't miss it. If you would like to help On Display Podcast, please consider leaving a review or comments on the episodes. I truly appreciate all constructive criticism because I want to make On Display Podcast the best listening experience I can for you. Thank you for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you again next time. This is your host, Nicole, signing out.